What's up, everybody out there? This is Billy and William from Permapastures Farm. First ever Permaculture Pimp Cast. <laughs> <laughs> That's just weird to hear out loud now. I know. I know. It's, it's weird, y'all. And I got to be honest, y'all. I've done a lot of radio over the years, um, mostly... And the biggest talk station in Kansas City is where I started out doing this sort of thing. And um, I was pretty comfortable doing it. I mean, so comfortable that I very seldom ever got the jitters unless I was hosting by myself. But I got to say, man, this is, I mean, YouTube, I don't even, you know, there's no jitters whatsoever. But doing this for the first time, I got to say, man, I'm, I'm kind of nervous. Well, I've been in here practicing this whole time, trying to get everything set up. So I think I'm past the jitter part, but um, this is the first time I've ever dealt with any kind of audio equipment. Uh, shout out to Tony from uh, the Confessionals podcast. He's the one that showed us exactly what we needed to get. And I also want to give a shout out to a number of other people also. Um, Nicole at Living Free in Tennessee, Nicole Sauce, um, you know, she, she gave some really great advice. Also... Um, you know, Jack Spearco talking to him at the Self-Reliance Festival. Um, you know, he's been doing this for years and years, and the guy definitely knows his way around everything. So, you know, I also want to give a shout-out to really our, our wives. I mean, you're my, my daughter-in-law, and, of course, my yeah, wife, his we, mom. We have different wives, yeah. just to be clear on that. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't that far back up in the hills in North Carolina. But, hey, the cool thing about this is that the biggest impetus for even starting this is having the ability to say whatever we want without ever being concerned, at least not at this point, being too concerned about who's going to break us down, who's going to be offended, who's going to do whatever and put it, call out the YouTube law, you know. So the format that we're planning, and folks, it's going to be a little bit rough in the beginning, I know, but we're going to find our way, um, repetition as a way of teaching you. So um, that's exactly what we intend to do. But So what's the the point of this podcast. Right. What are we going to try to convey in this podcast? Right. The stuff in this podcast, basically we're going to take YouTube and use it solely for a teaching modality where people can actually see it, you know, as, as close as you can get to three dimensional, that's what we're going to continue to do there. But in this podcast, we're going to try to open up new avenues. We're not even going to stick to entirely just permaculture. It's going to have an element of preparedness. It's going to have a number of other things. I mean, even interesting people that may not be within the realm exclusively of permaculture. So we're going to have a wider breadth of things we cover here, but I'm not also, you know what, let's go ahead and try it out right now, son. So can I say uh pandemic? Is that something I can say without getting blasted? Um, Google AdSense might have something against it, but <laughs> okay, so I'll just go ahead and but, do it. I mean, the goal of this, we're not really focusing on making money through ads on this podcast. We, this is, I mean, we're selling, we have stuff to sell on our website at permapasturesfarm.com. And that's the main source of income we're looking at, not, um, not focusing on Google AdSense, basically. Yeah, but it's also the idea of not having to worry about somebody being offended and I mean, I'm talking about the powers that shouldn't be. So when people, some people reached out to me and they thought we're going to be having profanity laced tirades and things of that nature, that's not going to happen. That's not the intent here. It's being able to speak uninhibited. That's really the idea here. And also cover things that maybe just fit outside the genre of what we do in the YouTube realm. So that's really what the big deal is. I think, I think as we do it, more and more avenues are going to open up in how we want to do it. 
you know, there's so many different things you can do within this realm, and I can't wait to do it. So, ready for our first shout out to our first sponsor, Dan? Yeah. Permapastures Farm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Permapastures Farm. This program brought to you by Bone Sauce. Also by the Comfrey that's growing right outside this window. Ladies and gentlemen, act right now and we will throw in a free set of. No, I'm not going to say. No. We, no, we're not throwing in anything for free because everything is fairly priced. So we're not going to do that. But yeah, right out of the gates. We're not. We don't have any sponsors. We're not necessarily looking for any. It's just an idea to use that First Amendment. And we're going to try to do it as best we can. So, folks, first couple of episodes may be a little bit rough, but we're going to find our sea legs, and we're going to be really, really good at this with time. And in the future, I think we're, we were talking about before about setting up some sort of a voicemail line where you can call in with your permaculture questions, and we can answer them to the best of our ability. So that'll be something in the future to look forward to. Yeah, also, I want to... You know, a lot of the ones I get through email, a lot of folks, I guess, aren't comfortable necessarily replying on a on a video or they need greater detail. Well, that's exactly part of what this podcast is going to be about, part of the Q&A section that we'll have within it. We're going to have this thing formatted better, but we wanted to give you something right out of the gates to kind of let you know what it's going to be. But hey, shout out right off the bat, Sheldon and Heather I'm not sure they want me to tell where they live, but they live right down the road, son. What did they, we get a lot of cool things in the mail, but my goodness, this here, these people know the way to my corazón. What is it? That uh, boning knife? Yeah, man, that thing is off the meat rack, y'all. Pun intended. I mean, I'm going to reach out to them. They were very, they were so pleased with the bone sauce. Folks, this isn't a shameless, you know, endorsement here, but... They were so pleased with the bone sauce that her husband, who sidelines himself, I guess, you know, from time to time does. He's a bladesmith. Right. And my goodness, y'all, this knife he sent me is a cat's meow. I got I to gotta pay this guy to get a whole set. Yeah. There, I mean, there's a perfect temper on it. There's a nice handle with the micarta. It bends like it should for a boning knife. Um, the shape is perfect. It's perfect. Perfectly balanced. I mean, it's light years. I don't know how I'm ever going to go back. It's a full tang. So the weight is in your hand. Yeah. I'm no way I I can see myself going back to Victorinox. So whatever he's charging, Hey Sheldon, hopefully you're not listening to this, but whatever he's charging, (laughs) I think I'm going to have to pay. So thank you so much. My goodness. We're right out of the gates and already a first shout out. So son, you know, just in the first, right off the bat, let's talk about permaculture and our version to it. Now folks, let me back up a little bit. When we started the YouTube channel, we had a debate on what we wanted to call it. You know, you know, what's it going to be about? Right out of the gates, my idea was pragmatic permaculture, meaning practical permaculture. And there's a reason I'm saying that, because there's a lot of people within this permaculture space. Now, they're, if they're listening at this point, they're probably going to jump off because in the permaculture realm, you have a lot of people that are more polished than spit and more glitter than grit. You know, there's a every permaculture podcast out there. Um, not dissing these people. They have some great information, but we're going to be different. And I think over time, you're going to see the reasons why. Yeah. I think a lot of them are focusing on the return to surplus or the fair share thing. Right. And that that's not what we're doing here. Right. By any means. Right. Well, that's exactly what I wanted to get at when it comes to permaculture. A lot of people are reluctant. I mean, I think Mark Shepard's one of them. Um, there's a number of others out there. Awesome permaculture designers that don't even want to use the word because the second they do, they get beat over the head. Oh, like this isn't permaculture. This isn't permaculture. Like Danny at deep South, 
when I was there and I'm looking around and I'm seeing all seven layers of a forest, I'm seeing things zoned perfectly, which makes, which by the way, makes it efficiently. It makes it fish, makes your farm efficient. When I saw all that and I asked him, I said, look, man, what you're doing is clearly permaculture inspired. Why don't you ever talk about permaculture? And his, his response as quick as a wink was, well, I don't want to bring all the crazies out. And I understand exactly what he's talking about. Yeah. It's when you see a main crop and it's all designed with the mandala gardens, that's not the most efficient energy transaction. And it, that, I guess that's under the category of purple breathers. That's not what we're doing. No. We're doing practical, pragmatic permaculture. That's exactly what we're talking about. And that's what's the issue we have. And we, I, I think what I'm reluctant to even um, entertain, look, there's no shortage of people out there in the permaculture space that are saying, you know, I'm, st- I'm a storyteller and that's fine. Or the people out there that say I'm this or I'm that. You know, strangely enough, none of them seem to involve any work. And... There is no reason permaculture, preparedness, and all these other things can't overlay one another. And that's exactly what we want to do in this podcast and talk about the practical things that you can do. Um, maybe you take a piece of it. Maybe you take several pieces. Maybe the only thing you get out of the permaculture in your farm is the zoning, which is one of the biggest problems. Well, the zoning and then also being able to plant multiple things in the same location. Instead of like, let's say you have an acre, you you can either plant the whole acre full of corn or you can mix up the species and get multiple harvests from the same acre. Or if you have an orchard, you're only focusing on the harvest of the fruit trees. Well, there's a whole six other layers there that you could be harvesting from if you're using permaculture. Easily exploiting all these different layers, as we did in one of our last videos, um, talking about a permaculture harvest where we're just showing, look, on the same ground, think about it. If you're out there running cows, y'all, all you're ever going to get off of there is a beef crop. Well, what if you ran cows and then follow them with chickens? And let's say they're layers. Now you get beef and eggs. Now, what if you do that same thing? Beef, layers, and now you got meat birds. You got three out of the same area. And if you're doing it right, you should be improving the soil. Now, even if you just use cows, you're going to improve the soil, provided you gave it adequate rest. But think about it. On that same piece of ground, this is Joel Salatin 101, which is also permaculture. And um, same thing works. So imagine this setting, okay, and look at it in the way we do. Okay, so imagine an orchard. And imagine that orchard is situated on swales. This is exactly what we had in our place in Texas. So the swales are separated by, let's say, 50 feet between swales. Now, not only do I have an orchard out there, so I'm going to get fruit out of that particular piece of ground. In addition to that, because we intermix berries in there, we're going to get that too. we got nitrogen-fixing shrubs. We're going to get a crop out of that. We're also going to get comfrey out of there, which we use for everything. If you watched anything we do, you're going to get all these different six, seven layers right out of that situation. Now, in between those swales, Okay, it's already a productive piece of ground. We can all agree on that. Now we just kick it up even more. So now instead of just having a fruit and nut crop and berry crop, huh, now we're running our chickens, cows, possibly even pigs, given the right setting, uh, sheep. It could be any number of things. So now on that one, let's say it's a one acre, you made that thing infinitely more productive than it could ever dream to be than just by doing one thing. Yeah, right. Um, now, back to those swales, 
explain what a swale is to people who are just hearing about it for the first time. Yeah, a swale, um, this ain't going to be very timely, which, by the way, y'all, we do have a swale class at uh, Special Operations Equipment. It's going to be at the end of July, July 30th and 31st. In Camden, Tennessee. Right. William and I are going to be there along with some other instructors. Uh, very. These aren't Johnny-come-lately. Uh, these, are, these are people that know their way around permaculture and how to do this. But a swale is a perfectly level ditch on contour. So you're not funneling the, the water into one particular direction. You're not just following gravity. You can direct the water using a spillway, but the focus of a swale is to force the water to soak back into the landscape. So you're rehydrating the landscape. Everything downhill of the swale is benefiting from it. And it's also a nutrient trap. It's also, it's also storing that water in the soil. And the more you increase the organic matter of that soil, the more water it stores. But that's one of many things that we're going to cover. But son, I mean, I'm, I'm excited because I know we can go into great detail in so many different things that so many people have questions about. But let's right out of the gates kind of give them a background on us for the ones that are kind of new to this. Okay, so I'm Billy and... Um, B-I-L-L-Y. B-I-L-L-Y. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Billy. And um, I've worn a lot of hats over the years, but in a nutshell, I'm sure more, I'm, I'm reluctant. I'll be honest with folks. I am reluctant to talk about myself. Let's just say right now, I'm a former army sapper. I'm a journeyman, IBEW electrician, um, you know, have two college degrees, former talk radio host in Kansas city at KMBZ. Also, um, permaculture designer with lots of experience and a butcher. I mean, we wear a lot of hats, but son, what are you? Oh, man. Uh, I graduated high school and tried college for, I think, half a semester. Uh, and then I went and became a residential electrician, worked at a bunch of different places, doing a bunch of different things, mostly operating equipment or like forklifts and stuff like that. Um, and then I went to the Earthship Academy and internship in Taos, New Mexico. And I trained under Jeff Lawton. Uh, in Australia at his farm, Zaytuna Farm, for, woo, for a woo. while. Yep. But I'm also a permaculture designer. Actually, the whole house pretty much are permaculture designers or aspiring permaculture designers. Maybe one of these days we'll get your mom on here. But, yeah, all of us, um, Michelle, my wife, his mom, um, along with William, we're all permaculture designers. We're all got, you know, we're all certified. Not that that really means everything or anything at all, really, for that matter. Um, because I've seen some pretty noted permaculture designers out there that don't have a day of education. So right. um, it, it, we're not, we're not going to have an, any appeal to authority just based on um, our background and that sort of thing. But, okay, so you know a little bit about us. And if you want to see more, like I said, we, as of right now, until we get bumped off, uh, we still have uh, the YouTube channel. So, I mean, hold on, let me say that different. Until we get removed from YouTube, we currently have that. We are currently have that. Um, I guess we ought to get into what permaculture is. And like I said, y'all, this podcast is not going to be solely about permaculture. It's going to be about a great many things. Uh, as soon as we get our sea legs and we're happy with it, we're probably going to bring in guests. I mean, people I've always wanted to talk to. And it's not just going to be about farming and permaculture. So it's, what is permaculture, Dan? Well, how would you explain permaculture yeah, to somebody? This yeah. is where the podcast part kind of sucks. Yeah, because show you. <laughs> yeah, here's here's the deal. If you asked, let's say, ten different permaculture designers, and you had them isolated in a room, and you would ask them, "What's the definition of permaculture?" 
You're basically going to have 10 different answers. That's exactly how it's going to de- Am I and, wrong? Yeah, and if you had those same 10 designers design a piece of property, you're going to get 10 completely different designs as well. Right. So there's not necessarily a wrong way to any of this, but the reason we seldom stick to a definition of permaculture is because there is no elegant definition of permaculture in which I've ever heard. Because no matter how elegant or, you know, simple and concise that it may be, there's always at least one element that's left out of it. So I've never heard permaculture defined in a single sentence or even even in a paragraph, not that I felt was adequate. So what we tend to do is we stay away from, well, number one, we show you what it is. And number two, we just basically stick to the ethics, which are? The first one is earth care. The second one is people care. And the third one is return the surplus to the first two ethics. Um, You can also help kind of define permaculture by saying that it's a toolbox. It's not, it's a design science, but it's a toolbox that you only use certain tools during certain jobs, basically. Right. If that makes sense. Right. So you go out there and you can look at whatever situation you have. And because of this permaculture background, you can say, okay, which dog do I want to bring to the hunt? Okay. Let's say it's an orchard setting. Okay. Here, here are the list of problems I have. Does Mark Shepard answer some of those problems? Um, yes or no. Okay. You could almost look at it like a dichotomous key. You could say, okay, does Fukuoka's method, does that solve it? More than likely the answer is always going to be yes, or at least a derivation of it. Um, you could look at it and say, okay, does Paul Gauchi, does his method work for me here? Like William said, it's a list of options. It gives you the ability, like you always say, to answer, to know what question to ask and what methodology you should use. Well, the, the permaculture is a, is a toolbox and taking a permaculture design course shows you when to use which tools, basically. Right, right. So everybody out there for a time has always thought about you know, you, you see these fads within permaculture, and this is part of what we want to bust apart. And that is, um, you'll have a bunch of people, and Mark Shepard wrote about this in his book, um, Restoration Agriculture, where every permaculture designer out there wanted to put in a cob oven. Yeah. Okay, does a cob oven work in the mountains of North Carolina? Or if you live in England, right, <laughs> where it's going to rain constantly. Right, so you're taking the wrong dog to the hunt. Also, you have this other thing where, and I've seen it before, where you go out there, which is part of the reason why I don't do design consultations anymore, and I've never gotten onto it, is because you will design this place. And when you do it from the perspective of a designer, you have the advantage, and it is an advantage of being dispassionate about the process. You can look at it and look at it in the most pragmatic way. And you sit here and say, okay, do I want my kitchen garden here? Do I I want my main crop? over here? Do I want my, you know, you situate these things for a person that is not yourself. And all of a sudden you present it to them. And I have yet, I know that you've had better success than I have, but I have yet to come across anybody who takes even a 10th of the advice that you offer. And then they, it goes to pot, it fails completely. And then they want to point the finger at you, which is exactly why, you know, I mean, in the consultation world, this is why I like saying, hey, this is how we do it on YouTube. Cut and paste whatever you need. Well, with the consultations I've done, maybe 20% of them have actually followed the design. Really? Like, yeah, probably like 20%. Um, there have been people that have gone and 
done the complete opposite of what the design said. Because <laughs> with like the designs that I do, you get an order of operations with it. So this is the order of which you should install certain things. And the reason I do that is because your skills are going to build on top of each other. So you don't start off, if you have no experience homesteading or farming or anything, you don't start off doing the chicken tractor on steroids. You first learn how to raise chickens and you first learn how to make compost and then you can combine the two. There are some people that, I mean, no matter how much they pay, they will not follow the design. Well, and then there's also the other universal problem that I see unfolding in the biggest way, and that's too many people doing too many things at once. Um, you know, in light of the times that we're in right now, everybody feels rushed to do A, B, C, and D. And what I'm finding out, people are killing animals left and right. Um, down at Smiley's, uh, it's 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 one of the uh, farm stores we got near us. It's, um, you know, the last year they were selling birds, and they quit selling birds because people kept killing them. In fact, I was in the store one of those days, and this is like the same person's third time coming back because they killed every, you think, okay, man, can you figure out how to raise this animal before you bring it home? Well, it's one thing if they killed it at eight weeks, right. <laughs> completely if it's eight days. Right. But Smiley's saying, look, I'm, I'm going to quit carrying these birds, man. He said, everybody's losing their mind. Look, I understand from a preparedness standpoint, I totally understand what you're going through. I've been there before. In fact, 08 was one of those times where um, got ahead of my skis. And I'm seeing it in massive numbers now where it's like people we know, a lot of them, they're going out there and they're getting, they're a little bit too robust because they're afraid of the times and they are making colossal mistakes right now. Yeah. Like introducing all the animals all at once, never having had any experience raising animals or doing an oversized garden. That's the biggest one that people oh, have an yeah. issue with is doing it like an acre size or half an acre size garden never having gardened before and the gardening part is the easy part it's the well, like what do you do with all the harvest like if you have a half an acre of tomatoes you got to deal with half an acre to, of tomatoes around all at the same time well we even found we even ran into that to a certain extent last year because we had we didn't yet have a freeze dryer and you know thankfully you know it was been over at renewed homestead that kind of you know, I'd been thinking about it, but man, the cost, I mean, man, who has 3000 bucks to just throw around, but I'm sitting here looking and I'm thinking Ben brought it up to me, something about a freeze dryer. We even, if I remember correctly, even kind of mowed over the idea of possibly sharing one. And then it didn't make any sense because we're going to have exactly the same harvest at exactly the same time. So sharing one makes no sense at all. So we took the plunge because we had wasted. And when I say wasted y'all, I mean, it is colossal. That when you, it's not like food in the grocery store, okay? The food you grow at home, for those of you that are new to this, it doesn't have a long, long, long shelf life. If it does, it may not even be food, you dig? So we had food that was rotting before we could even think about, we couldn't run the canner fast enough, couldn't keep up with it. And so even in a, in a, in a situation like us, where we're old hands at this, we were losing things that had to go to the pigs and chickens just because we couldn't process it quick enough. So like you're saying, when you have those gardens, you know, you, you got to be thinking about all this. And then when you get these animals, you know, it's funny how many people also, and I, this one I understand, they buy these animals, like let's say pigs, with the expectation that they're going to drop them off at the butcher. Yeah. Well. And then save money on, they're, they're going to buy feed for the pig, they're going to drop it off at a butcher, and then they're thinking they're going to save money and get the same pig back. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's the problem is that they get in there and they don't yet realize that, you know, you had to set that butcher date up long ago before the time that it's actually going to be processed. So they find themselves in a bind and now they're having a feeding animal that they thought they could just roll up to the butcher with because they didn't know any better. And I don't necessarily blame them. I mean, it comes down to, folks, it all comes back to permaculture and preparedness are hand in hand. They really, they were meant to be that way. That's exactly what it is. But also permaculture, preparedness, and planning is also, you know, it's a trifecta. Because you got to also be thinking, okay, I got this harvest coming in. How am I going to deal with it? And even the best of us kind of get caught behind the eight ball. But got to say, this freeze dryer has been a game yeah. changer now. Yeah, and and storage. I mean, we have like we have shelves of stuff from last year that were of things that were canned, and I think this year so far we have a plastic tote. Well, exactly, and like um, you know, other harvest too. Like, let's say it's the honey. Well, that's easy to process. You put it in the jar, big jars, the gallon jars in our case. And, you know, you can sit it as long as you need, wherever you need it. Um, at the end of the day, you have to have some place to put all these harvests. So going back to the whole permaculture thing, y'all, and I have, to, I have to cover this. Everybody that's getting into this space that hasn't been doing it for a long time, I'm seeing a common mistake. Um, many of you want to get into permaculture and you haven't taken the time to even examine what it is. I mean, you got to know what permaculture is before you can really start doing it. Or you can take, let's say you're, you're an old farmer and you're going to graft in some of these, these permaculture principles. That's another thing. But if you're coming straight out of city living and all of a sudden find yourself in this space, you might have to expect a certain amount of disappointment. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you have no experience in any of this stuff. I mean, there's things you don't know that you don't know when it comes to gardening or raising animals or chickens or especially pigs. They can be a little curious. Right, and that's, and for the record, y'all, I know people think I'm crazy when I say this, but pigs are easier to raise than chickens once you know what you're doing. They really are. But, um, you know, back to the overview of this show, y'all. This is the beauty of it, is that we can cover in great, great detail. We get a lot of questions through email and a lot of those I'm hoping to go into great detail through this podcast and maybe even supplement it as best we can with what we have going on in the YouTube channel. Because honestly, a lot of the YouTube, we don't contrive anything. We don't have to think about, Hey, what are we going to film today? I mean, we could film probably to correct me if I'm wrong, maybe three videos a day. Yeah, we, we could. The issue is just the recording, the editing, the uploading, all that stuff. Because whenever you're doing a task, let's say it takes you an hour to do that task. If you're recording it, it now takes you like an hour and a half to two hours to do that task. Right. So there's so there's that zero-sum game. But that's exactly what this podcast is meant to do. We can go in a lot greater detail in so many different ways and so many aspects of permaculture um, that we can't possibly do. Because it has to be, for YouTube, there's a lot of there's a lot of wonderful parts of it, but also there's a lot of confinement too, because we can only go so far in that storytelling. And then we get lots of questions, which are fine, but also it's taking us out of the game when I got to answer those questions, when I could use a format like this and we can cover this stuff in great detail. Right. Now, son, yeah. let me, let me shift gears on it a little bit. Um, wow, it, man, it, this is, this is honestly weird and very satisfying being behind this desk. Um, I want to hit into 
what's going on in the permaculture world and where our disagreement, where they're going to hear things out of us that they likely don't hear out of other permaculture podcasts or other permaculture practitioners for the most part. Look, y'all, the beautiful about thing about this space is I can say anything I want. And I don't have to necessarily be nice. No, is it in any violation of my Christian ethic? No, but I don't have to mince words. I can say exactly what's on my mind. And I'm going to tell you, son, you, I'm going to tell it from my perspective Then I want to get yours. Because like I said, think about the beginning of this show. We talked about pragmatic permaculture, practical permaculture. The biggest problem I have with most permaculture designers out there, the ones I've met and the ones I know, and this isn't all of them, I'll be honest with you. Most of them are lazy. Most of them don't have farms or homesteads. Most of them don't even have a garden. Or if they do, or if they do, um, you know, it's, it's funny because when in permaculture, most people are taught, as soon as you get done with this training, go out there and evangelize this system to the world. And in the trade, and I've often said it in the videos, the only thing dumber than a first year, this is what we say in the trades in the electrical trade, the only thing dumber than a first year journeyman or than a first year apprentice is a first year journeyman. And it's true. The same thing applies, I believe, in permaculture. It really does. So, right. I mean, like in a lot of permaculture design courses, you're taught to take an extended period of time to just observe the land, but they're not given that same measurement of time to learn after having taken the course. Excellent point. Excellent point. Yeah. So they get out there, they go shooting at the hip and they're over here telling farmer Joe, who's been doing this for 25 years that everything he's doing is wrong. And you have no basis. You have no, you have no basis of understanding to even, I mean, it just floors me. A lot of permaculture, a lot of permaculture people are arrogant. They yeah. really are. Yeah. It's like they, they finally discovered the the key to it and everybody who doesn't, the key to the like growing and everybody who doesn't, immediately catch on or get it they just I, I don't know it's like they they think less of them or they consider them idiots I, i'm not really sure yeah there's a level of arrogance but you know you could say whatever you want about farmer joe out there doing all of his work you know putting whatever it is you know whatever nitrogen based fertilizer or whatever the case may be no i'm not a big fan of those things but at least you know what he's got a harvest or what um that who was that one permaculture designer um that we met at SOE. What was his name? We did an interview with him. Oh, yeah. Um, Nick. Nick. Yeah, Nick. Nick, Nick he, Ferguson. He made a good point. He'd rather see like 10,000 people grow the most poisoned, you know, nicotinoid. Nicotinoid. Thank you. Nicotinoid fertilized, over fertilized tomato than to see one person doing it completely perfectly. Right. Right. I, I couldn't agree more, but you have. All of these people out there that are in this permaculture space, you come from the, from the leftist tradition. I do not. I will make no apologies that I am a Christian American heterosexual pro-gun libertarian. And uh, probably should have started with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now you can jump off all you lunatic lefties that are thinking that I'm going to get in here along with William and we're going to kowtow to you people. It's not going to happen because frankly, I think a lot of you people own too much of this space and so part of this podcast is us hitting this thing from that perspective. That's exactly what we're going to do. So I'm honestly, there's a lot of people out there that have this pie in the sky 
notion of permaculture, but haven't put foot to butt regarding anything. Especially food forests. People have a picture in their head of what a food forest should be. Like you just go out there at random times and just go pick your food for the day and then that's it. A lot of people have a vast misunderstanding of what a food forest is, especially beginning uh, designers, especially the first time designers and stuff like that. Yeah, well, that's exactly what we're designing our lives to do is to, I mean, look, man, it doesn't take a good eye to see what's going on in this world. And the day for pie in the sky permaculture notions, I think, should be long gone. I often wondered why people don't invite Mark Shepard to speak at every single gathering imaginable because he's one of the few people on this planet that actually has a permaculture farm that makes money. One of that's, the, that's the issue, Dad. Yeah. Is that he makes money. <laughs> yeah, and, and he's one of the people in this podcast I can't wait to listen to. And, you know, when you listen to him in a podcast, there's always going to be, I think some people take it the wrong way because neither one of us here are snowflakes. So when you give me admonishment or when you give me you say, hey, bro, you got this all wrong. You're not going to offend me. Just like I was in an email exchange with Joel Salatin. And um, at one point in the exchange, he was like, well, how do I say this without offending anybody? And I wrote back to him, hey, you don't have to worry. I'm no snowflake, man. I, I welcome correction. If I have this all wrong, I want to know. I'm not so invested in what I'm doing that I can't stand to be corrected. I want to be corrected every single, because honestly, I am an efficient person. And if I'm doing it wrong and there's a better way of doing it, I want to know about it. So yeah, that's what you're not going to hear in this podcast, y'all. You're not going to hear anybody talk about, um, I'm not going to say there's not a place for that part of permaculture where, you know, it's flower heavy and, you know. Yeah, I mean, we have flowers, but it's because mom planted them. Yeah, we're going to have flowers and stuff in there. And there is a part of that, you know, there's an element yeah. of that part of permaculture where you do have flowers and you should. I mean, if it gives you joy, that is part of it. But, you know, how many of those flowers are you going to eat? How many of those right. are edible flowers? Well, I mean, some there are, you know, there are plants that are highly beneficial that produce blooms and stuff. But planting, it's hard to justify roses unless it's like a wildlife barrier or something like that or, or multi-floor well at least for us i mean i mean yeah. you can have those things there are, within the permaculture landscape there's room for all of that but at the same time with you know when it comes to that practical permaculture we're talking about you know i remember hearing a lady and oh shoot she was in another podcast um i don't even listen to him anymore it was a, a few years back where her husband who seemed to, um, he had this place laid out. And I think he even had somebody else come in there and look at it. And they said, yeah, you know, just a slight turn here or there. Well, she insisted, and this isn't the first time you and I have seen this, but she insisted on putting this kitchen garden, which should be well within zone two or one. Right, one. She, <laughs> she put this thing in zone three because she was afraid of snakes. And I'm like, hold on. Why would you put that thing in zone three or zone four? You just created that. And they also had it in conjunction with their chickens. So here are people right out of the gates making very bad decisions. Things that are going to cost you enormous amounts of time. I just thought of the next podcast topic. What's that? Zoning. 
We can go through each zone and explain what should and shouldn't go in those zones. Zone five, you shouldn't put your chickens in. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's saying that by experience, y'all. He acts, not he, we, uh, we're, in, you know, another podcast thing we ought to do. Should you, should you, or should you <laughs> not do a farm with your family? <laughs> extended family. Extended family. No, not this family, but I mean, extended family. You know, I, I made a joke before saying, you know, it was like that Snoop Dogg song where everybody got their cups out, but ain't nobody chipping in. And that's exactly, exactly what we've witnessed in the past um, regarding when it came to getting other family involved. But look, there's so many different ways we can go about this. I want to cover in the future also education and whether or not, you know, is this profitable? Can you make money doing this? Do you want to send your kids off to college to get a indoctrinated and B, um, you know, come out with thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of debt when they could have taken the route that William did, which we'll talk about in later episodes and concerning education and, you know, you know, what are the options out there for you? So, um, we're going to cover a lot of that too. Yeah. There was that one guy on YouTube, Gary V or whatever, and it was like a short little clip, but he was, uh, taking questions from the audience. And the lady was basically saying, should I send my kid to college or not? And then he asked her, were you going to pay for it? And she said, yeah. And he said, take that money and send him to Europe for six months. He's going to be way more cultured, way more educated, and actually know what he wants to do with the rest of his life afterwards. Maybe not Europe, especially now, but. Yeah, the point is. The 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 point point is is stay out of college. Yeah, well, unless you're going in for engineering or something in the medical uh, world and even I don't even know if that makes any sense these days but if you're not doing anything else look there's nothing like I said in the beginning of this podcast Michelle has a college degree look look I'll keep it real I got a college two college degrees a military education a trade education and a farm education now of those four modalities of education there's only one of those that hasn't put a dime into my pocket and I'll leave it up to you but we'll talk about that in future episodes also That's exactly what I want to get into with this podcast. That's exactly what the two of us are going to cover is not just a pie in the sky. Like, look, I'm not, I'm not going to go in too much detail and I won't go, I won't betray the trust of Joel Salatin, but I've had the benefit as of late to be able to have email exchanges with this great man. And there was a point where there was a misunderstanding. There were three of us in it. And I was very busy and I was not as attentive to responding. And next thing I know, I'm realizing that um, perhaps he's thinking that I think things that I'm not saying that somebody else is. And that wasn't the case at all. But Joel, as politely as only Joel can do, wrote back and said, look, these are all pie in the sky. Well, let me say it better. He said, look, these are all wonderful concepts, but the people you're citing don't make money farming. Right. And he's right. Everybody he cited, and I'm not going to tell you what those are, so don't ask. But um, he pointed out, look, all the people you're bringing up and the things they're doing, you don't make it. They don't make a living doing farming. They got to make a living doing other things, whether it's lecturing and other things. So at the end of the day, you know, you got to ask yourself, are the people you're listening to or the people that are out here teaching permaculture, are those people that are teaching pie in the sky permaculture or is it pragmatic permaculture? And I'll I'll leave it. Look, all those people have a place at the table. Yeah. Not saying that they can't teach, but I mean, learn from who's going to benefit you the most. 
And, you know, let's also learn from the people that are actually doing it. You know, like a guy out there trying to, you know, give all this theory on swales. Well, okay, I know you got your permaculture design certificate, but have you ever put in a swale yourself? Exactly. Have you ever put in a food forest yourself? If you did, did it grow? What were the results? What were the mistakes? What did you learn? How can you convey that to people? So if you can't possibly, I don't understand. There was a guy named Mark back in Kansas City in the preparedness movement. And he was like, I got all this knowledge. And I remember all of us that were standing around listening to this dude. um, First of all, I mean, he was in horrible shape. I mean, when I say awful shape, I mean, the guy probably (laughs) weighed 500 pounds. Yeah, he was every bit of five. And that was being charitable. And he had talked about all this experience that he has within the preparedness uh, space. And at that time, they were talking about water procurement in the form of wells. And I remember one guy, I mean, when you get a group of guys like that in the preparedness, somebody's going to call you out. If you make any claims, somebody's going to ask, well, have you done it? And that's exactly what he was asked. Like, you know, have you done this before? Well, no, but I've seen YouTube videos. And then, I mean, when you got guys around, there's this pack mentality, man. They busted out rolling. I felt bad for this guy, but I hope he learned something out of it. Because at the end of the day, all there's a whole lot of, Look, there's things in permaculture I haven't yet done. You know, I live in a temperate rainforest. And in Texas, we lived in another place. In Kansas, we lived in another kind of place. So we do have understanding of the environments we live in. And William has vastly more than I do in terms of where he's been around this world and having seen permaculture in all of its modalities. Um, In fact, you know, we would be doing more of it. But at the end of the day, look, y'all, if... It's one thing to have a person teach a course that's online or whatever the case may be. But when it comes to putting foot to butt, you better be asking for the goods. You better be asking, well, what does your food forest look like, Jack? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, son, am I wrong? I mean, yeah. how many? Yeah, it should. I mean, or or does it even make sense for them to have a food forest? Right. Are they installing something in a place that doesn't make sense? Oh, man, all kinds of greenies are dropping <laughs> off right now, son. They are losing their ever-loving minds like, I love my little blah, blah, blah. It's all happening right now. I guarantee it. Well, you know what? This podcast ain't for you. This podcast, in a nutshell, I guess I should have started out with this, is for the pragmatic, practical preparedness and permaculture homesteader that's what you're going to get out of this podcast. It ain't going to be none of that pie in the sky stuff. And we talk about some generational feel for a piece of ground that great grandpa had. And those things are fine and dandy, but that ain't what you're going to see here, Jack. Yeah. Also this podcast is for people who are currently doing it about to do it or are, are wanting to do, do homesteading and permaculture and stuff. Right. And you're also seeing a pro um, I don't know, son. Tell me if I'm wrong. Um, I don't know of how many, I don't know of too many podcasts out there that take it from the perspective of the kind of people we are. And what I mean from, I can't think of one. No, no, none of them. I mean, maybe there's one out there. I don't know, but a lot of people jump off of the permaculture thing because they get mixed up with a bunch of lefties and all of a sudden they're like, dude, you lost me right there. Or you get tired of hearing somebody just whisper into a mic for an hour. Like speaking all soft. That's that's one of the reasons they keep jumping off. You mean they ain't got no bass in their voice? (laughs) (laughs) You sound like a couple of eunuchs on the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, testosterone is strong. It's like the force. 
there's nothing wrong with that, but you don't hear that from the permaculture world. You don't see it. I mean, you know, you get it a little bit from other people that I'm aware of. Maybe Paul Wheaton out there, you get a little bit of it. Um, you know, he's got his brand of permaculture. I don't. Jeff Lawton in person. Okay, in person. Yeah, in person. yeah. So he's got to he's got to clean it up and be a little bit more charitable. You know, when he's when he's on an uh, interview like this. Hopefully, yeah. we'll get to interview him here in the suit. Uh, yeah. You know, in the future, and a great many of other people. But look, y'all, um, not saying that the lefties don't have a space, but right now they dominate all the space. Yeah. Well, everything, I can't think of a YouTube channel or a podcast that's permaculture focused that isn't filled with a bunch of lefties. Uh, I mean, YouTube, maybe a few, but they're not calling it permaculture. Right. Well, and, and then the ones that do, they're turning off. Because honestly, son, I've said this for years and years and years. I'm telling you what, if you could get, because I come from the trades initially, y'all, um, that's where, that's where I made my living. Most of my life was as a journeyman, IBEW electrician. Okay. But look, I'm here to tell you, and I'm going to say this from the bottom of my heart. Now there's nothing wrong with a lot of IT people. It seems that seems to be the overwhelming majority of the people that get into this space. Nothing wrong with that. Not one bit. But I'm here to tell you, if you were to get mechanics, drywall guys and gals, uh, plumbers, pipe fitters, carpenters, iron workers, you get all those people involved in the permaculture space and it will change upside down. And that, and a lot of them are not willing to listen to some mealy mouth person say a paragraph of words in a podcast that honestly they can't relate to in any way, shape, or form. It's the yeah. blue collar. It, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, son, but honestly, it doesn't exist. So we're filling that space. There's other people out there um, that that are in that space to some extent or another, but not to the extent that we need to be. Could you imagine if a gang of operators found out about permaculture oh. and then teamed up on a piece of property? They could do all the earthworks in a night. <laughs> no, you, son, you know what's funny? You mentioned that because I left that out foolishly because operators, if we had operators that understood, understood hydrology, maybe to the extent that Justin from Metcalf Mills does, or yeah. if you had those people come together and they all had permaculture design certificates, they understood everything. They would change the world. And I'm not talking about guys in particular. I'm saying guys and gals. If you had all these people come together from a, from a, from a, because I come from a construction background. That's where I made most of my money. Because I've come from that background, I've been able to do extraordinary things when it comes to fencing. We have. Mm -hmm. We've done extraordinary things when it comes to other pushing the limits on things that people didn't know about. A lot of which we've never even covered on YouTube. Yeah. So yeah. that's what we're hoping to do with this podcast. And don't get me wrong. Look, if you're, you know, even welders, I, I left them yeah. out as well, too. Underwater welders, I don't care. There is a place for everybody at the table. But what I'm saying is a lot of the people that do this and do their make their living from a practical standpoint can't get on board when the person they're listening to is not a person that they can all at all relate to. So they don't even get out of first base. And that's what I'm hoping to do with this podcast, where we can explain more. I guess you've seen, 
I don't know if I'm, I wasn't counting, but I'm guessing we probably covered nine different aspects of where we intend to go with this podcast. <laughs> so the point is, is that we're going to figure it out along the way, along with y'all. Well, at least, at least how to do it. We know exactly the focus we want to do. We're going to pick a topic and we're going to take questions. We're going to add humor where it makes sense. And hopefully we deliver it in a way that doesn't, okay, look, not trying to pick on, I guess, no. I'll keep it real. I guess to a certain extent, I am picking on some of the other people out there because I'm not going to sound like a, I'm not going to sound like a, a uh, announcer at um, NPR. There <laughs> won't be any everything of that. with a question. Yeah. Uh, did you uh, tell me how was life on your farm? Do you like it today? We should have an NPR segment in each podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where there's always this up talk where they, I remember that screwed me up the first time I ever heard it, where every question, whether it's a declarative sentence or otherwise, is asked in the form of a question. I'm like, dude, is there a question in there? You just made a statement. <laughs> well, you're not going to hear that. We're, that's not the way we roll, and that's not the way we're going to roll. So, Unless it's a question. <laughs> Unless you're asking a Are question. you sure, son? <laughs> yeah. Are you sure? I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Should I take a little bass <laughs> out of my dad, voice? You gotta stop. Are you entirely sure? <laughs> you <gotta> stop. <laughs> <laughs> I did that with your mom, dude. She loses her ever loving it is, mind. It is painful to hear my dad talk like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, son. I'll bring the bass back. Yeah, I'll do that. Barry White can't get a love for your love, baby. Yeah, we'll we'll keep it real and we'll keep it. We're going to keep it upbeat and we're also going to keep it positive because you know. Um, not to say that we're not going to touch on some of the horrors that are going on in this world. Some of the things that, you know, are happening and okay, you know what? We'll go ahead and push it right now. We got people out there telling you, you got to take this jab and put it in your body. Um, ain't going to hear any endorsement for that here. Snake bite. Oh yeah. We got all that. We got other people out there. You know, we got a world falling apart. We got all kinds of calamities, whether it be the shipping disaster. I mean, pick your calamity du jour. It's all going on. But listen, with the good Lord's help, most above all, you know, we can get through a lot of this stuff. First and foremost, if you don't have that, then frankly, from where I'm standing, you're, you're missing the most important component. All your preparedness, all your permaculture, all your everything means nothing if you don't have that relationship with the Almighty. And that's where we're hitting it from that perspective as well. So, um, you know, make no apologies for that. Never will. And I am thankful I am thankful for all the Lord has provided me. But y'all, look, at the end of the day, there's some horrors going on in this world, and we're not going to ignore it. We're not going to sidestep it. Just like we do in the YouTube channel, we're going to find ways to get past it. Hopefully through this platform. I don't yet know how, but I tend to think that we're going to meet other people along the way that can help enhance each of our journeys. You know, like I was talking the other day with Bobby and one of the things on YouTube where... We oh, talked he has about, a channel, by the way. What's yeah. his channel? Uh, Spags Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Spags yeah. Unfiltered. Yeah, but like I was talking to Bobby the other day, you know, where a lot of people are out there giving gloom and doom. Some of them in the permaculture space. No, really not that many in the permaculture space that I'm aware of, but most of them are coming from the homestead space and some of them from the so-called prepper space. And yeah, there's a lot of these things going on, but I don't see anybody providing any... Um, I really don't see anybody providing any solutions or very few. There's some out there doing it, but by and large, no, we're not going to have any of that. 
And uh, we're going to provide, if we provide a problem, believe me, we're going to offer some solutions, at least any that we can manage. So when it, when it gets down to brass tacks, y'all, there's a lot going on here and there's a lot going on in the world. But at the end of the day, we're going to pray that you keep it centered on God first and foremost and also stick to pragmatic permaculture because <laughs> you're not going to be, <laughs> you know, thinking about how you can grow a herb garden when you need potatoes ain't helping anything, Jack. Yeah, herb spiral isn't going to feed you. <laughs> no, no. I mean, those things are all well and good and they're fine and dandy. But at the end of the day, we're, we're going to stick to pragmatic permaculture. Like you said before, son, does a mandala garden work when you're putting out? You know. No, mandala gardens don't work for main crops. Uh, man, mandala, the purpose of mandala gardens is that they're really efficient when it comes to maintenance. So you're taking a bed and basically wrapping a wrapping, uh, wrapping talk, it in a circle, wrapping yeah. it around yourself. Um, but that doesn't make sense if you're using like a large scale cedar or something like that, like a jang cedar or something, yeah, or if you're yeah. using a tractor. Mandala gardens don't make sense. But if you have small acreage, and if you're infirmed in some sort of way, and you don't really get around very well, having a raised mandala garden might not be a bad idea. But that's a very specific application. When I see people putting in mandala gardens left and right, just because it fits their hippie mentality. Right. And at the end of the day, y'all, you can learn some of that stuff here, you can apply it, but that's not necessarily what you're going to hear here. Uh, we're going to talk to people, we're going to talk to each other, and we're going to talk about all these different solutions and pragmatic ways that you can feed yourself. Because frankly, there's a whole lot of people out there giving a lot of pie in the sky, permaculture things, but they ain't got nothing in the pantry. So what, I guess we're reaching almost an hour now, dad. Um, are we going to try to keep the podcast about an hour long or are we trying to go longer format or? Yeah, I think, I think for the time being, I think we'll stick it because honestly, if we were just sitting here talking there is absolutely positively no reason we couldn't go for five hours straight. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to break it down because when we thought, when we first talked about this and this, this conversation happened long ago. And when we finally got to the point where we're like, okay, well, you know what? I think we need to go ahead and do this because it's probably just a matter of time before they scrub us off the internet. And it looks like you at least have some bastion of free speech here. So we have all these different shows planned in our heads and to some extent on paper. And we can't just unleash it all right now because right. who on earth, who in their right mind can sit here and listen to a five hour podcast, unless maybe it's David Icke um, <laughs> or Joe Rogan doing five hour podcasts. Yeah. But that's very rare. Yeah. But when you get down to it, son, it's um, we're going to, it's better that we break this stuff down into bite-sized pieces, but look, this was the overview for what we have planned y'all. So what can they expect next week? Okay, well... Do we have any ideas for next week's topic? Well, maybe we can... You know, but we're trying to figure out the level of frequency that we even want to do this. I mean, son, there's no yeah. shortage of topics. I mean, I have... I really want to hit big time, based on a conversation that we had in this house recently, I want to hit, honestly, whether or not you ought to be sending your kids off to college. Yeah. And, and can they make a living doing this? Can they do it and give you practical examples as to why you should or shouldn't do it? Yeah. So, I mean, these aren't things that don't affect our family. Maybe not my immediate family, but, you know, extended family and otherwise. These are real deal issues that everybody is wondering. Man, you know, I haven't put back, like my, my brothers, oh, I haven't put back enough money for college or whatever. You know, do you need it? 
at the end of the day, do you need it? Because I've made far more money as a journeyman electrician um, incurring zero debt for my education, which happened over five years, by the way. Um, made zero debt in doing that and learned a trade that nobody can really take away from me. Right. And, you know, at the end of the day, it is a legitimate trade. If I wanted to, any day of the week, I could go out right now, put my tools on, and go make a pile of money. I don't do that because it's not where my heart's at. My heart is doing exactly because, folks, at the end of the day, permaculture really is my passion. I mean, this is what I feel like I was put on this earth to do, that and rescue um, rescue uh, exploited children. But that's going to be for another episode also. And by the way, folks, I want to give a shout out to all the folks that gave out there for that campaign, raising money for vets, for child rescue. Mm -hmm. Um, I know people are probably getting confused. Let me just kind of cover that real quick. We raised officially 3,100 bucks, I believe. But actually, if you get down to brass tacks for all the other donations that came in subsequent to that campaign, we're looking at probably well over $5,000 for a two and a half day campaign. So that's that's yeah, a last minute two and a half day campaign. Right. When where we came up with it Thursday and then put it out Friday and then ended it Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was Monday at five o'clock. Monday. Ended it Monday. Yeah. So, so yeah. it was I mean, but yeah, we raised a lot of money. And you know what? We're gonna talk about that kind of stuff in this podcast too. So that's gonna be the beauty of what we're doing, y'all. We're gonna work out some of the bugs. We're gonna we even got some music coming up. We commissioned yeah. We commissioned some music, so we'll go with this stuff for now, but we're going to have our own theme music, and then we're going to commission more. So it's going to be, you know, we're going to try to change things up and not do it like every other podcast out there. As If you don't, look, if you haven't heard a distinct difference already in our delivery and the information we're going to provide compared to some of the others out there, and like I said, there's nothing wrong with that. We are, there's just nobody out there covering the kind of stuff and then the way we're going to cover it and certainly not covering it from our worldview. So mm-hmm. we know there's a lot of people out there that'll resonate with this. And, uh, with that said, y'all, it's been an absolute joy an absolute joy to do this podcast. The first ever inaugural permaculture pimp cast. And yes, y'all, I'm going to use it in this forum because permaculture is my passion. But also, I don't think a whole lot of little kids watch me in a t-shirt or watch me right now. So, till next time, this is Billy and William from Permapastures Farm, where permaculture is my passion. <laughs>